Mothers, you're welcome. Yeah, that, uh, we're very thankful. Those of you that weren't here uh, when Daryl first introduced them this morning, which was a good bit of you, that is Kai Rowe from Wake Forest. Um, we've never had a group from Duke come and do that. I'm just saying. Duke's a Methodist school, and yet we have the Demon Deacons here. So thank you, uh, gentlemen. And John, did you run out? No, there you are right there. Uh, yeah, our own, very own grew up in this church, right? Uh, John McDonald, um, who uh, came back and brought his group with us. We were very excited. Daryl and I... Um, Actually, when they first called, John calls and first calls him Mr. Smith. Um, and we're like, what? Uh, and uh, he goes, hey, we're coming through. We have this group. Can we do it? And so we try to get online to see who they are. And, and unlike smart people, we went to the Wake Forest website. And there's like, you can't find anything. You can see you, but you can't hear anything about you. And so then Daryl and I go, well, Daryl actually said, let's think like somebody of their generation. What would you do? You two. Um, and so they're all over YouTube, uh, which is cool. But that made us feel really old, too. So that was great. Um, it is Mother's Day today. For those of you uh, fathers who forgot, um, you can say, honey, I knew that they were going to be here today. That's why we came. You're welcome for that beautiful music and the carnation from your kids. I just spoiled the children's ministry gift to you. Uh, if you would, we, usually, we used to do weird stuff for Mother's Day, uh, but we try not to be weird anymore. Weirder than we already are anymore. So instead, I'm just going to pray. So let's bow our heads and pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for all the mothers in our life. We know, Lord, that you operate to us as a father and a mother. And we thank you for the gift of motherhood that you have placed in all of our lives. And we acknowledge, God, that some, sometimes in our life we have moms that aren't um, as loving as maybe we would have hoped. And so when we think about it, sometimes, God, we have pain that comes. But we know that you operate in both fashions, so we thank you for that. God, we pray that you would bless all mothers with us today and anywhere this day, that they may know your love and that they may know the love of their children. God, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we are in Matthew 15. If we're not stopping Matthew for Easter, we're certainly not stopping it for Mother's Day. Um, So Matthew 15 is where we find ourselves today. And I, I have to tell you, this is, I thought I was going to be a little bit more condemning in my first service than I was, so maybe we'll try to kick it up a notch during this service. Not about it all, but all of us. So, so David Meniski last week during our staff meeting, um, he's changed our staff meetings into teachings, which I have greatly appreciated. Uh, and he told this story of um, England, the, uh, the country of England. And he, he said in 1803, they created a job. And the purpose of this one position was to go live on the cliffs of Dover. And the cliffs of Dover would give you this incredible vantage point that should Napoleon decide to attack, that this guy would be the first to see. He would ring a bell that would transfer down the cliffs and alarms would go off everywhere and England would be ready for that coming attack of Napoleon and the Napoleonic army. In 1946, I think it was, somewhere in the 1940s, they abolished that job. I'm glad the youth of our... get it. Yeah. Napoleon was gone by then. I don't know if you know history. Turn on the History Channel. It's a great channel. Yeah, he was gone, long gone by then. And yet they still had a position whose job was literally to look for Napoleon. When Napoleon comes, and he had been dead for years, years, generations, 
But they started moving in the same thing. And they couldn't break this tradition, this law, this regulation that had become so outdated. And David looked at the entire staff and he said, now I want you to break into small groups. And look around our church. Where do we have people on the cliffs of Dover? Where are we set in a position that is so outdated, no longer relevant, and yet we're still funding a guy to ring a bell for someone who's not coming? And so we all look at each other not wanting to go, dude, it's your ministry, you know. But I think we all had to look at ourselves a little bit and know that we operate in those instances from time to time. Now, Jesus, when he gets to Matthew 15, had done some amazing things. Before he gets to Matthew 15, he had fed 5,000, recently just walked on water. He fed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. He cured a whole bunch of people of leprosy, of blindness, of bleeding. Uh, He brought someone back from the dead. You know, just your normal everyday things. He declares himself through different words and scriptures he's hearkening back to from the Old Testament, the Son of God. So he's drawing attention to himself from the Pharisees, from the religious rulers of the day. And in Matthew 15, this is what happens. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrive from Jerusalem to interview Jesus. Why do your disciples disobey our age-old traditions, they demanded. They ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, you don't need to honor your parents by caring for their needs if you give the money to God instead. And so, by your own tradition, you nullify the direct commandment of God. You hypocrites. Isaiah was prophesying about you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is a farce, for they replace God's commands with their own man-made teachings. Now, in Jewish life, clean and unclean, very big deals. It was a very big thing to be clean and unclean. The, The Old Testament is chock full of rules and regulations, things that will make you clean and unclean. These laws that say if you eat this on this day, you will be unclean, and therefore not able to worship or come into the presence of God. It was all, You needed to be clean in order to get with God. had to be clean. There were so many things that would make you unclean. It was very infectious as well. If somebody was unclean and you just brushed their skin, boom, you're unclean too. There were all kinds of laws, all kinds of stuff going on. Gentiles, most everybody in this room would have been unclean just for the very fact that you were a Gentile. The dust that came from Gentiles' feet as they were walking along the dusty road would be unclean as well. So if you're a clean Jew walking behind an unclean Gentile and the dust comes up and you you get into their dust, you're unclean. How hard would it have been to, I mean, wait, are you clean? No, wait, did you just, wait, are you clean or unclean? No, have you done this? Yes. Have you done this? Yes. Have you done this? No. Oh, you know, I mean, you can't even like interact with anybody. But they gave you all these ceremonies, all these rituals to get rid of your uncleanliness and become clean. Now, a lot of them at the beginning were very good. And it got you you into a life of discipline and a life of worship. 
But what happened was Napoleon died. And people were still on the cliffs of Dover. What happened was the Pharisees took it and they changed it into this this just bad form of what once was. And they began to focus on the rules and regulations and not the reason for them. They began to focus on the man-made practices and not the actual love of God. They were so concerned with the minute details of religion that they didn't know who God was anymore. And so they come to the disciples and they're like, hey, they're not even washing their hands before they eat pigs. I mean, they wouldn't have eaten pigs. They were calling them pigs because that would have been unclean. But they had this laborious task for washing your hands before you ate. If you were a really devout Jew, you would have done this before every course, not just before the one meal. But in order to make your hands clean, this is what they're talking about. You would have taken a minimum amount of water, which is um, a, a, a log of water. Anybody know what a log of water is? Put your hands down. You all here at the first service. <laughs> you don't even raise your hands. Nice. It's like Wake Forest education. It is. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. It is uh, enough water to fill one egg and a half shell. Like you take an eggshell and a half of an eggshell. You put that amount of water, and that is a log of water. So you would take a minimum amount of water, and that's it. You would first hold your hands like this, fingers pointing up. You would let the water cascade down your hands to the point of your wrist. Then you would let it go because at this point it is now unclean water. So you drop it off your wrist. And then you point your fingers down and do the same thing. Then your hands would be clean and you would be ready to eat your meal. This is what the Pharisees from Jerusalem, the big boys, they went to the headquarters and brought the Pharisees down. This is their charge against the disciples. And Jesus, like a good rabbi, doesn't go into, well, this is why we do this. He goes, huh, well, how come you do this? He asks them a question. And he turns it back on them. And he, and he gets into the, the honoring your father and your mother. Because one of the practices the Pharisees had set up is they said it was okay. You know, honor your father and mother. Yeah, that's one of the, Moses brought that down, you know, pretty big important commandment. That's one of the original ten. Honor your father your mother. Then there's other laws in the Old Testament that say uh, a kid who is unruly, put him to death. If he is too much for his parents to handle, get rid of him. That's not a law today, people. Calm down. That was a law. There was a huge, great importance to honor and respect your father and mother. Hugely important in God's eyes. But the Pharisees come along and they make all these rules and regulations, this man-made stuff, and they finally come to a point where they're saying, well, if you make an oath, a a Corbin is the name, Corbin. If you make a, a gift dedicated to God with your money, then you don't have to give it to your parents, even if they're in desperate need, because you dedicate, I'd like to help you out, mom and dad. You know, thanks for everything you did when I was younger. I know you're in desperate need now, and you're about to get kicked out of your house. You can't eat. You're starving, blah, blah, blah. I have money, sure, but I've dedicated it to God. So, sorry. Jesus is like, really? You're going against the commandment of God to follow some man-made prescription that doesn't make sense in the first place. You're following something that you created. 
instead of finding the heart of God. Religion has become more important than belief and faith and love. Huh. I think we're kind of still in that. So many times we find ourselves basing our faith and belief on religion rather than on God. We, we, we base our, our access to God through religion instead of God. We continually climb up the cliffs of Dover and wait for Napoleon to come when God's like, hey, I'm right here. So many times people come to me and they're like, hey, could you do this? Could, and it's something like an interaction with me and God because I have a direct line and you people don't. I don't have a direct line to God. I mean, I do, but you have the same line I do. Everybody has broadband to Jesus. Everybody. You don't have to go through a pastor. Well, if there's not a pastor at the meeting, it's not an official meeting of the church. Guess what? Pastors don't like to go to meetings. And you don't need us there anyway. You're the body of Christ. We are the church together. We are the ones who God said, go into the world and teach them about me. He didn't say there's going to be, oh, I don't know, a couple thousand, ten, hundred thousand over this course of so many years that are only the ones who have access to God. The rest of you have to bow at their feet. You may commence. But so many people get stuck in that. Like I'm the dude sitting on the cliff waiting with a bell ring. No. No. We fall into these traps of, you know, well, this is the way we've done it at this church for years. Great. That doesn't mean that we can't stop doing it that way. And change. And move. How many of you have been here uh, in New Heights since the beginning? A show of hands. Yeah, it's not many of you. Not many of you. How many of you who just raised your hand think that we're still the same? Yeah. I hope nobody, because I, if we are, it's time to fire me and get somebody else. I've told this to Manitsky. I said, if I ever get into a point where I'm just going through the motions and I don't care anymore, please fire me. And he's like, okay. I'm like, seriously, David, I don't want to be a bell ringer. I don't want to sit on a cliff of Dover and say, well, this is the way that we've done it in New Heights for the past 12 years. So this is the way we're going to continue to do it. Because that's not the way God operates. And that's not the way we operate. Look, Jesus told stories to his disciples. And as he told those stories, bells were going off in their minds. They're like, oh, I know exactly what he's talking about. Because it was pertinent to their lives. We have to know the context of what Jesus is talking about because he uses it in his teaching. That's what I have to do also. If I get up here and I talk to you about the 1950s. All the time. There's going to be like 10 of you that stay. Because it's no longer contextually relevant in our spiritual life. Yes, it served a purpose and it was wonderful. And we took from the 1800s and the 1900s so much faith in history. And there were many saints that have gone before us and carried the cross so that we could be here today. 
And we will honor them by remembering the sacrifices that they gave. And we will honor them by remembering that they didn't stay where their grandparents were. And so we're not going to either. If we stop in one spot and operate and say, Jesus, this is the only way that we will ever have access to you. This is the only way that we could ever worship you is with a drum kit and an electric guitar. If we say this is it, this is the only way, then we are failing God. Because God doesn't play like that. We don't worship religion. We worship God. I don't know how many times people have come to me and said, well, you know, I'm I'm actually, I grew up Baptist. I'm like, great. I don't care. I grew up Episcopalian. I'm a Methodist Methodist pastor. Because I'm not really a Methodist pastor. I just play one on TV. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I, I love God so much. I like to talk about God, and I just happen to have the opportunity for a few years to get up and do so. But first and foremost, I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Those come first. My friends, my family, all these things are piled up in my priority list. Religion? Somewhere way over here. I release you from being bound by religious law. Be free. If you grew up Baptist, and there are many recovering Baptists in here. If you grew up Catholic, and there's a lot of you in here, because we're in San Antonio, let's face it, you're everywhere. If you grew up Episcopalian or Methodist or you never stepped foot in a church before in your life and you found yourself for some whatever reason here, if you, I don't care where you came. Just let's get to God together. Let's celebrate how awesome God is. Let's worship God the way that we worship God. If you want to walk down the hall and go in there and sing with an organ and a choir, bring it because they're great. It's wonderful if you operate that way and that's the way you feel like God is moving in this world and you get fired up and then you leave the sanctuary and you're like, onward Christian soldiers, let's get out of here and share the love of God. Right. If you come in here and, and you love the way that we worship and you think I'm amazingly funny because I am. And it fires you up to be more connected with God. That is all we want. We don't want you to like us. We don't want you to like the way we do things. We want you to worship God. To get out of your own way. Push us aside. And worship your creator, your father, your mother. However you want to look at God. He created you. And only you to be who you are. He created you unlike anybody else. He doesn't walk up to you going, hey, um, you know what, you're not washing your hands right, so you can't preach the good news to people. Sometimes churches do that, though. We fixate on an issue in someone's life, and we say, well, you're out of the kingdom. Sorry. We'll say hi to Jesus for you when we get there. Uh-uh. I'm done with that. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, a few months ago, when I gave you that empowering win one for the Gipper uh, uh, sermon, and then I gave you the old foot. Remember that? I went, get out. It's no longer my job. It's yours. 
your job to be Jesus in the world. Matthew 28, he didn't say, pastors, go into the world. People with a master's of divinity degree. He said, go. You. Go into the world. Go into the world. Forget the religion that holds you back. If you're doing it different than your father did, great. If you're doing it the same, that's fine too. As long as it's moving the kingdom forward and you're not worshiping the religion or the practice, but you're worshiping God. That is what Jesus is talking about. It is He who created us. He who we worship. Let us begin to do so. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You for the gift of life that You have given us. For the gift of wisdom and guidance that You give each of us if we just open our hearts to it. God, I pray that you would guide and direct us all in our life, that we would follow your commandment to go into the world, to share the love of Christ with all, and that we would know that you created us to do it in a very specific way, that only we can. Only we can reach the people that we can reach. Help us to have the courage to do so. God, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.